Good morning, everyone. My name is Kawai, and today uh, we'll be reading from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard, you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learn it from Epaphras our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thanks, Kawei. Well, good day, everyone. Uh, my name is Scott. It is so good to be with you this morning. Uh, really glad to see you here. And do stick around, like Anthony said, for the barbecue afterwards. Um, love to meet you more then. On the night of the 27th of September in 2016, I got a call that changed my life forever. That sounds dramatic, doesn't it? Um, let me explain. Uh, earlier in that evening, I had dropped my wife at the hospital. I was with her there in the hospital. She was at this point 10 days overdue. Uh, it was our first child coming along, but I was told nothing's happening tonight. Go home, have a rest, come back at 6 a.m. tomorrow. So I thought, brilliant. And I, straight away as I'm heading home, I'm thinking there's two things I want to do right now. First thing, get a good feed for dinner. So I went to KFC, tick, number one down. <laughs> Second thing I want to do is get a really good night's sleep because I know that pretty soon every night after here is going to be interrupted in some way. So I get home and I think my head was on the pillow for about six seconds when the phone rang. And of course, you can guess what happened, can't you? Uh, It was Pip, the baby was coming and I ought to get there soon. And in a few hours later, our daughter Eva was born. That's the, that's the reaction I was hoping for, yes. <laughs> and nothing has been the same ever since, let me tell you. Uh, but it all began with that, that message, that, that call to say, come quick. Uh, in the Bible, we just read about some people who've got a message, who've also heard a message that changed their lives, that changed their lives forever. We read part of Colossians. Uh, It's a letter written by a guy named Paul. He's a Christian leader right after the time of Jesus. And he's writing to a church in a city called Colossae. It's just there in modern-day Turkey. Uh, Now, Paul has never met the Christians in this city. Uh, He he, he did know one of them, though. He knew Epaphras. Epaphras was a guy from Colossae, 
Um, and it seems that at some point in his life, Epaphras went across to Ephesus, just a couple hundred k's away. And when he was in Ephesus, that's where he met Paul. And they got to know each other. Uh, Epaphras heard about Jesus from Paul and he became converted to Christianity. And so he went back to his hometown of Colossae and he started telling people there about Jesus. And pretty soon there's a church that's, that's in the city, the Colossian church. As the years go by, um, Paul gets put in jail up in Rome. The authorities just didn't like him talking about Jesus so much. And Epaphras eventually goes to visit him in Rome and he tells Paul about this church that's begun in Colossae. And that's when Paul writes this letter to take back to them. And the letter really is all about Jesus. It's saying that Jesus is supreme. Jesus is the number one thing you need to know of. But we begin today by seeing that when people hear about Jesus, that message changes them. That when God speaks, when people hear God, he changes lives. There are two things I want to say today. Here's the first thing. God dramatically changed the Colossians to live for Jesus. You see it in what Paul says thanks to God for. The way he starts his letter is to say uh, thanks to God for all the things about the Colossians. Look at it in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. You see what he's saying there? The, uh, The Christians in this city... They've become known for their faith, their love and their hope. They're now people of faith, meaning they, they, they trust Jesus. In life, they have thrown their lot in with Jesus. And they've become known for their love too. They love one another. In fact, they love all of God's people. And, and this, their, their faith and their love, it springs from hope. They're, they're, they're convinced there's something beyond this life, something to look forward to. They're convinced that heaven is real And that Jesus gets them there and it's changed the way they live. Because of the hope they have in the future, they are now people of faith and love. And so Paul, the letter writer, he's saying thanks to God for all this because because it is God who has changed them. This is a work of God in their lives. Because they weren't always like this. Uh, A little later on in the letter, you find out they were very different, in fact. Paul even describes their old life as, as evil. But since then, God has dramatically changed them. And it all came about when they heard the true message of the gospel. Uh, Gospel just means good news. And we see what that good news is in verse 6. It's it's about the Colossians understanding, truly understanding God's grace. Uh, Grace is a wonderful thing. It means that I get a gift. I love getting gifts. Anyone else the same? I love getting gifts. Something that I didn't earn. Grace is something that I didn't earn. Uh, no one's obliged to give it to me. It's a, it's a free gift. It's the opposite of what Harvey Norman does when they give the cashbacks. You ever seen that on the ads? You can spend half your life savings on buying this appliance and they'll give you $200 cash back. That is not a free gift. Uh, God's grace, though, is a free gift. And it is God's grace. A gift from God. I wonder, what do you think God's attitude to you is? How do you think God feels about you? Is he grumpy, kind of just waiting for you to slip up? He looks on you with a growing sense of anger, waiting for that moment that he can just smite you from heaven? Or do you think that God is just not interested in you at all? Like he's sitting up there in heaven, not paying much attention to you. You do your thing, God does his thing. But you never really cross paths because you're 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 not all that important to God. 
Friends, do you see what the Bible's saying here? What's God's attitude to you? He, he's, he's gracious. He's wanting to shower his good gifts onto you. As verse 2 puts it, he, he's ready to give you grace and peace. What do you think God's attitude to you is? How you answer that will completely change your life. It changed life for the Colossians. Once they heard of God's grace, their lives were changed forever. They became people of faith, of love and hope. And did you notice that Paul also prayed for the Colossians right at the end of that passage we read? Basically in his prayer, Paul's asking God to keep changing them as well. Keep changing them so they live more and more for Jesus. Uh, you see it in verse 9. Verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with you, the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. What do you want to know? What do you really want to know? An old family secret? Perhaps you'd love to be the world expert in some area. Maybe you just want to get insights that allow you to be uh, better at your job, uh, better, be a better friend, be a better spouse, a, a better parent. What would you love to know? Did you catch what Paul wanted the Colossians to know? He was praying that they'd know God's will, that they'd know God's purpose for the world, to, to, to grasp what God is doing in the world and what he wants. Ah, wouldn't that be good to know too? And this isn't just the kind of thing that you know you know stuff for knowing it, for the sake of knowing it. It's, it's the kind of knowledge that leads you to action, uh, the, the kind of knowledge that changes people to live to please Jesus. And, and he goes on to spell out what it means to please Jesus. There's four things, he says. The first one is doing good, or as verse 10 puts it, bearing fruit in every good work. What does it look like to please Jesus? It's doing good. Now, I know at this point that's ambiguous. Uh, what, what does it mean to do good? And in fact, the rest of the letter really, in some ways, spells that out for us. We'll see that in the coming weeks. But, but doing good pleases Jesus. Secondly, knowing God more, growing in the knowledge of God, that's, that's pleasing to Jesus. And this one might not be what we expected, in fact. But it pleases Jesus when we know God. Because, you see, Jesus just doesn't want us to simply be robots that walk around, uh, programmed to obey God, do good, and that kind of thing. He wants us to, to, to actually know God, to relate to God, to be real people. And to relate to God as real people, because God is relational, and, and so are we. So it pleases Jesus when we know God better. The third thing that pleases Jesus is that, is, is that if we persevere, verse 11, it says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. It pleases Jesus to press on, to not give up, to have endurance and patience, to keep going even if things get hard. Jesus wants his people to press on. The final thing, the fourth thing, being thankful. Verse 12 says, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Thankfulness pleases Jesus. Thankfulness to God. It's just a sign of what's right, isn't it? Because if God really does give us grace, if he really does shower his free gifts upon us, what should we do? It's, 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 it's right to thank him, isn't it? And that's what pleases Jesus. That's what Jesus wants. So I wonder, what do you reckon of that, that little list? 
things that please Jesus, doing good, getting to know God better, not giving up, being thankful. On the outset, it might not seem like a dramatically changed life, like a, a, a radical life at all. But when you think about it, how many people do you know who, who live a life like this? I take thankfulness, for example. Uh, we live in Australia, and I reckon, I don't know about you, but I reckon Australians, we're, we're pretty good at having a whinge, aren't we? Let's be honest with you. But we don't mind having a whinge. We whinge about the footy when the wrong team wins. We whinge about our boss. We whinge about the government. They never do the right thing, do they? Thankfulness doesn't really come naturally to us. Doing good, though. I think we like the idea, we like the idea of doing good. Who, who doesn't like that? We like the idea of doing good, although it's not always easy to follow through on it. We can want to do good, but then oh, having the time, having the energy, having the patience, it's not always easy to do good. Even the other one, one, one other one, knowing God. Um, is, that, is knowing God really a priority for many of us? This is all about changed lives. This passage is all about changed lives. The news of God's grace has come and it has changed the lives of the Colossians. And Paul says, great. We thank God so much for that and we're praying God would keep changing our lives. Keep changing your lives so that your people who live for Jesus. Actually, in verse 13 and 14, right at the end of the passage, we see even more of God's grace, more reasons to be thankful. Verse 13 uh, for he that is God, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Rescued, redeemed, forgiven, brought from, from darkness to light. It's not hard to see why this would totally change your life. Because God is saying that Jesus can totally reverse your spiritual status, your spiritual standing. But more on that in a few weeks. There's a Facebook page called Humans of New York. Anyone ever heard of Humans of New York? Um, i got a few people, yeah. I, I like to check out this page every now and again. It's, it's written by a person and he walks around the streets of New York and he started just taking photos of people that he met and then he decided he'd, he'd interview them as well. And so every day he puts a new photo and um, a bit of a life story of someone there. And some of them are fascinating. Check out, check out this one here. This is narrated by the younger guy over here who's um, holding the book in front of him. His name's Brandon. This is what he said. I just turned 12. I think Dad realised that I needed someone in my life. He was working two jobs, so I never had any, anyone to talk to. Mum wasn't around. Middle school was a complete disaster. I had no friends and was getting bullied tons. Then one day I came home from school and Dad was home, which was shocking because he normally worked until 9pm. And he introduced me to this guy. I had no clue who he was. He said his name was Adam and that he was my big brother and he was going to help me. But I had no clue what that meant. I just thought it was a friend of my dad's or something like that. We were supposed to meet two times a month, but it ended up being more like three times a week. He helped me study, I could call him whenever I felt sad, and he helped me with my anger outbursts. Whenever I was having a bad day, we'd go down to a bridge near his house and throw a bunch of rocks in the creek. He helped me so much over the years. Even after he moved to New York, I was able to do the last two years of high school by myself. He promised me if I graduated with all Bs, he'd fly me up to New York for a visit. 
Well, I did better than that. I graduated with all A's and B's. Just in this quick snippet, you can see Brandon's life is headed one way, but meeting Adam changed that, completely changed that. And we're seeing something similar here in the Bible, but, but, but on an even bigger scale. The Colossians, their lives were heading one way. Then they met God. They heard of his grace. And that changed everything for them. Have you ever wondered if God could change your life like that too? Because we can read this and think, well, that's all nice and good for the Colossians back then, but now he's different, isn't it? But here's the second thing for today. God is still dramatically changing people's lives everywhere to live for Jesus. Verse 5 is talking about how the Colossians have been changed by God. But then look at what verse 6 says. It says, In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you. See, this isn't something that's just for the Colossians back then. It's what God was doing all over the world. It's what God has kept doing all over the world. Because this is God's agenda for the world. Seeing people changed changed by the news of his grace, changed by the news that he rescues people from darkness and brings them into light. Now, at this point, you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's just not true, is it? God really hasn't been doing this. At least he's not doing it anymore. Haven't you seen the statistics lately? People are moving away from religion in droves. And in some sense, it's, it's true. I mean... You look at the number of people in churches in the 1950s compared to now, and there's a lot less people in churches today, right? But if you look at the bigger picture, if you zoom out a bit, you'll see that God is still doing this in the world today. The statistics on this kind of thing are hard to be precise about, but the best estimates suggest that over 2 billion people across the world say that they're living for Jesus. And even if it's not happening so much where we can see it, in our own backyard, it doesn't mean it's not happening at all. Um, China's a great example of this. Uh, China has experienced a huge boom among people becoming Christians, living for Jesus. And that's even happened when there's a lot of pushback from the authorities there. Huge sways in southern Africa have been changed by God's grace. God is still changing people. And he actually, he's still doing it in Australia here too, isn't he? Of course he is. After all, that's, that's what he did for me. The truth is God is still at work in the world today, still changing people, still rescuing people from darkness, bringing them into light, changing lives all over the world. I must say, that's exactly why we are starting a new church here in Paraka. We're convinced that this is just in line with what God is doing in the world. So what's God's agenda? Changing lives, changing people to live for Jesus. As a young church, we just want to be part of that. We want to be seeing God do that right here amongst us in Paraka. So I just want to end by today by asking one question. If this is what God is really at work in the world doing, if he's changing people by his grace, then wouldn't it be worth looking into God a bit more? Would it be worth getting to know him better? Because if the Bible's right about this, then we can't go away from today thinking, well... God's just got nothing to do with me. He's not interested in me. We can't walk away thinking that me and God, we're just on different tracks in our life 
And that's okay. Because if the Bible's right, if God is at work here changing lives, changing people to live for Jesus, then then to ignore him or, or to not care about him, wouldn't that be putting yourself against God? So let me ask you again. Um, how would you feel about looking into God a bit more? Because as a new church, that is exactly what we want to be. We want to be a place where it's easy for people to come. And even if you're not really sure about the whole God thing yet, we want to be a place where it's easy for anyone and everyone to come and, and, and dig into God a bit more. Take another look or dig a bit deeper. Which means we're going to try and be as clear as possible. We, we do want to dig deep into what God says in the Bible, but, but we're not going to expect you to know lots of things already. We want to take Jesus really seriously because we think that's what the Bible is telling us to do. But along the way, we're going to try not to take ourselves too seriously. We want you to come and feel comfortable here with us, feel like you're at home with us. We'll discuss some big truths here and sometimes they'll be hard and there'll be a pointy edge to them. But we want, to feel, we want you to feel at home with us while we do that. We want this to be a place where you don't have to come with everything already sorted out in your life. We want to be a place where we come and, and together we let Jesus put the pieces of our lives back together again. And that we help each other doing that. We, we stand side by side with one another as we do that. Look, we won't always be perfect in doing this as a church. We'll make mistakes along the way. But we want to do this because we're convinced that this is what God is doing in the world today. He's changing lives. He's bringing people from darkness to light. He's reshaping people to live for Jesus. So why not come back? Hang out with us today. Have a barbecue. Enjoy it. Why not come back, though? Join us next week. Next week we're going to just look at the next bit of this letter. Uh, We're going to see why Jesus is such a big deal for Christians. Why not come back? Why not give God another chance in your life? Why not come back and keep digging deeper to know God with us? We'd love to have you here with us. That's just about enough for me. I'm going to pray really quickly and then I'll sit down. Why don't you pray with me? Our God and Father in heaven, we thank you for the things we've seen in the Bible today. We thank you that when people hear from you, you change them. Our prayer is that this would just be a church where people hear from you and are changed by what you say. Amen.